Welcome to the Samson Strength Coach Collective Podcast. We've created this collective in order to grow a network of strength coaches who are consistently raising the standard within our industry and as an educational resource for coaches of all levels. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Samson underscore EQ. This episode features Jared Renier, tactical strength and conditioning coach at Fort Riley, hosted by Jake Gladwell. Views and opinions expressed in this interview are not that of the United States government, the DOD, the United States Army, or Resystems Corporation. All right. Well, this is Jared Renier. Uh, we are excited to have you talk about strength and conditioning. And your, your, your expertise. So, um, yeah, as we discussed before, so you're on, um, Fort Riley out in Kansas yeah. yep. doing strength and conditioning and, yep. uh, yeah. So let's, I don't, not going to take more of your three minutes, but in uh, three minutes or less, give us a brief, uh, background on you. Um, yeah. So at Fort Riley now, by way of Fort drum, I was up there for a little over a year doing strength conditioning with as part of the H2F program, which is holistic health and fitness because the military loves their acronyms, um, which is to be, to use the word to define itself, a holistic approach to fitness and where we are trying to change 40 years of army PT culture uh, yesterday. Um, very similar to special forces in that Thor three approach where we have strength coaches, we have physical therapists, we have athletic trainers um, moving forward on the next contract. They will have uh, some of the mind uh, uh, men- mental coaches as well. With the H2F program. Yes. Gotcha. Yep. Cool. And part of that. And so, yeah, that's how okay. I got here. Background just came up as most strength coaches do through, uh, internships and in school and certifications. So cool. Cool. And so I, I know I, I, uh, asked you this again before we went live, but so give me a little bit on your obstacle course racing. <laughs> yeah. So obstacle course racing is the general term for if people have done Spartan racing, tough mutter, those are the two big ones. Um, and I do some of that training on the side because okay. I started doing that on my own and it's just, it's fun. It is cool. anywhere from some courses are hundred meters long. Some courses are 24 hours long and just kind of, you can specialize anywhere inside of those. Most of them for the general public or what most we do are anywhere from a 5k to a 10k. Some stretch out a little bit longer, but, um, and you, a lot of the obstacles are heavy carries, um, some sort of a rig or in lame, to, to make it super simple, just like a set of rings going across over a moat or mud or something like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just getting ready to training for those types of obstacles and approaches where very little is standardized and a company might have a few things that they're known for, but where they have an event in one city, one weekend, the next weekend, might be very similar, but based on off of the terrain that it will run with, let's say if you're running in, you know, here in Kansas where it's super flat, you may mm-hmm. be running in Colorado the next weekend where it's not super flat. So right, right. Um, you could do the very, the very same obstacles, but two very different approaches to how you're going to do that. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So again, I, I cause I'm going to bring that up later. So I wanted to make sure that you got a little bit in on it, but, okay. uh, cause I think that's, I think that's super cool. So, and, and how it translates over to the H2F program. So, uh, next question, what motivates you as a coach and then how do you, how do you motivate your staff? And, uh, so you personally, but, and then, and you know, your staff, I don't know how y'all work at the H2F program. Like I said, I, I was, 
I would assume it's similar to the Thor three though, kind of where I was at. It is. Um, I'll start first half of how to move it myself. Um, being prior service, I see, I had that ability to when I was in seeing how the military quote unquote, in my opinion, got it wrong. I'd already had three years of undergrad in, in exercise science when I went in and the whole push up sit ups until you can't do anymore. I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And I'll, I'll never forget this. I was in basic training day two. We're going through one of the movements. I think it was a squat bender or something like that. And I asked a question about form to the drill sergeant, you know, knee down, hip down, something like that, how they wanted. Mm-hmm. And the answer is just, just F and do it. I'm like, right, got it. Right. Noted. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Set the tone yeah. for the, set the tone for, for basic training. Yep. Noted. Little, little, little lack of education there. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, it was a lot more gentle than what I thought it was going to uh, answer. I was thought I, I would have gotten <laughs> right. so, um, but being able to come back now later and affect that change, albeit through baby steps and very small increments at a time, um, that it's really fulfilling knowing that yeah, yeah. or hoping that 10 years down the line, this will be the new norm. Um, right. For a staff, we have a staff, but we have just transitioned. So H2F is kind of in the middle of a transition phase. Some of the bases are moving from the battalion level up to the brigade. And with that comes some growing pains and size kind of limitations. On the initial contract, it was two coaches per battalion. And until the next contract has been awarded and fulfilled, it's two coaches per brigade. So um, that is a lot of soldiers for two coaches to kind of affect. So right now, those those who don't know that size, maybe the civilian sector who's listening, can you give rough numbers? Yeah. Rough numbers off the top of your head. Yeah. So depending on the job of the battalion and that sort of thing could be anywhere from a few hundred and then brigade, we are working with a few thousand. So that's kind of how it, how it all shakes out. And so big, big right jump now, for two coaches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so right now you may, as you may have surmised, we're not running a whole lot of sessions. Um, it is a largely education based to try and that train the trainer sort of deal, get as, as, as much information out there and as widespread as we possibly can as quickly as possible. And then ideally um, if we can get the time, which is also the challenge, within this setting of getting some of those people back and getting them retrained, getting them, all right, here was the basics in that week that we had you now, you know, here we are maybe four or five, six weeks later, let's rehash what we were at. Now let's go a step up, maybe get a little more in-depth coaching um, on that sort. So that's kind of where we're at now. And so that's kind of how we're motivating ourselves and our team is again, just realizing it's baby steps. We're not going to, until that second contract gets filled, or that next contract gets filled and we have more coaches to kind of go back right, down right. to that battalion level. Um, yeah. It's just kind of affecting. What yeah, so, yeah. Right now is a lot more train the trainer really than yes. having units come in and, and putting them through workouts, et cetera. Um, yep. So I'm, I'm going to piggyback on that a little bit, but I'm going to give you the next question. You're just hang tight with me. So okay. how do you create buy-in with your athletes, but then also your staff? Now let's, move away from the staff. I want to call your train the trainer 
those guys okay. that you're sending out, how do you mm-hmm. motivate them? And I'm kind of curious, what kind of courses are y'all giving them? Are you giving them so they can get basic level programming? Are you giving them just movement, uh, you know, cueing? What, well, so let's start on that question. What are y'all kind of doing for them so they can get squared away in a week when they go back <laughs> right? to their team or whatever, right? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, it's mainly right now, the education of why, why we're here as coaches. What, what was the driving factor for Forcecom to go, hey, we see a need for these guys, why they're here. And one, teaching them why we're here. And then two, if nothing else, giving those coaches the understanding of intent during exercise. Because from what we've seen on, on, the, on the ground, um, both at Drum and here at Fort Riley, is just that we have a lot of soldiers who haven't, they weren't athletes when they grew up. They didn't play, talk to any PE teacher or high school coach. Youth athletic participation is going down. So the number of, of soldiers coming in who have played sports is lower. And so we have people who just don't know how to move and especially move with intent. So, and we get, we get put in with like, we're synonymous with the new, the new test, the new ACFT. And we're not part of that, but it, it is kind of helpful for us to piggyback on that, that if you don't do any of those movements with intent, especially the deadlift and the medicine ball throw, you're not going to score very well on it. And so a lot of it is just teaching that intent in the movement and a few cues for some of the different exercises that we're, that we're doing. Um, that's if those are the two biggest takeaways they can take away in that first week that will one help with their own buy-in because they, as we coach them through movements, because we have a classroom portion and a practical portion, a lot of the practical portion they've done before, just now they have coaches who are certified, have the knowledge and how to do it and coaching one, their intent. So they feel, Oh yeah. yeah. Well, that vertical jump that we did is a lot different with the coaches than when we just do the high jumper during PRT warmup. Right, so right. it's that it's, that's how we're doing it with the first round of, of students coming or trainers coming through. It's just here, here's why we're here and what we can offer sort of deal. Yeah. That's super cool. I, I think that's uh, very wise, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you have a week, you'll have your right. CSCS, your masters, like, Hey, let me give you all my knowledge that took me years in a week. Right. Right. And so I think that's awesome that y'all are creating essentially buy-in is what yeah. you're creating for the train, the trainer to be able to go back and, and have that. So that's awesome. Um, I'm going to twist it a little bit again, going back to the buy-in with your athletes, let's just say. So mm-hmm. how do you, what's your opinion on, so you're, you're military, right? So yep. the others that were not, mm-hmm. uh, at least this was my experience. Again, when I was at Thor three and I, I had prior military, so guys maybe were a little more peer to me, right. listen a little better. How do you create buy-in on those that, don't have that attitude that are like, Hey, you don't know what I do or Hey, you're not military. Like, you know what I mean? How do you create that buy-in? It is harder. Um, Like I said, it does, it does help with, with me being military, but at the end of the day, I was a reservist truck driver trying to talk to that, uh, that infantryman or that field artillery guy. You know, I just ask him questions go, Hey, this is what I know about it. And that was, I got home from a deployment 10 years ago. That was my last, experience with, you know, what I consider real army with, you know, active uh, duty. So I go, I'm 10, 11 years removed from that. What do you do? Like, what do we, what can we offer you? And then right. through that education piece. So one, one of our biggest points of buying is just when we briefly touch on the energy systems, you know, those, like 
where do you guys really work at? And they always default to like, oh, that the third one. I'm like, do you really? Like, especially infantry, like, you know, I'm up, they see me, I'm down. Right, right. That three right. to five second rush. Do we really need to run for 20 minutes for I'm up, they see me, I'm down? Yeah. Oh, well, no, I guess not. And then making some of those parallels, like, hey, here's here's where we can help. Here's that's where we've seen a lot of it. It's just again going back to that basic, you know, surface level education understanding piece of here's what we can offer here's how and that, and that's how because our the other coach i coach with uh coach eric langdon um he doesn't come from a military background he's the traditional up through collegiate sports mm-hmm. grad student uh grad assistantship all that sort of stuff and same thing with him like just one being being accessible to the soldiers I think, as you may well uh, remember or agree with, a lot of their interactions with contractors or or civilians are waiting in line to get their gear. Not always the best interaction. Like, hurry up, sign your form. Let's get going. Let's get going. And, you know, real brief, real sharp, just being, no, I I hate saying it, but, you know, that that softer, kinder, gentler approach, especially in the classroom, answering questions that instead of being you know, kind of squad focused of how they can help their, their team or those soldiers under them, answering a couple of those personal questions first and then go, Hey, that's how you help you. Now let's, now let's see how we can use that to help your squad. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that's been a big, a big help for us. Man, I, that's a uh, really uh, insightful because it's something that's interesting because I, I, you hit the nail on the head. Like that was our, my, like when I, <laughs> as soon as you said it, that was my exact thought. As yep. soon as you gave the reaction, I was like, that's exactly the, you know, what I had with civilians when I was in the military that were on base. And so I think breaking that mold, I think that's super cool. But also, you know, I, I do think that the military, we have this, like, we're, we're tough, we're tough people. Right. Like, you know, I don't need you to answer my question. I know what I'm doing. Can I concept? Right. And so I think it's awesome that y'all are bringing that psychological approach of like, Hey, no, like, let's talk about this. Like, why are you yep. doing it? And, and so that's super cool to create that buy-in. I think that's uh, very, very good. So, um, so let's go. What is your type of uh, coaching style? Like, how would you describe it? And then how do you feel like it's changed over the years? Cause I would also assume it's different from collegiate athletics to military. Yeah. It's, yeah. You've had to transition it. Yeah. Um, for better or for worse, I, my only experience in collegiate athletics was my internships. Um, I was very fortunate, um, that one of the guys I internship, I interned with actually the coach I'm coaching with now, um, I was able to go straight from internship. I had a job before I walked for graduation. So I was very fortunate in that, especially in this field. Um, so I don't like, I don't want to under undersell how fortunate and how thankful I am that I was able to right, do that. Right. So, but just from my own personal approach to coaching, I was, I was an athlete. I wanted to be yelled at. I wanted to be told, you know, I need to know what I was doing wrong to fix it. As I'm sure you're aware and other, uh, other coaches are as well. Um, not to harp on the generational thing, but a lot of younger soldiers coming in, they haven't been coached before and so mm-hmm. that whole hey you're doing this wrong you have to kind of feather that with how you how you how you word that and right. for me that was that was a that was a learning curve because i'm i'm thinking oh yeah they're military i got yelled at in the military <laughs> right, right. i can yell at them yeah, you yeah. can't do that because one i'm not in their chain of command i'm at right. you know on the contract we're an advisor at best 
So I can, I can advise them on what to do. It sounds cool. Now, right, right. after we get by and we, after we get by and they tend to, they tend to listen a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. But, but that day one, like when we were actually running groups up at Fort drum before uh, COVID, you know, w- with some of the older soldiers. Yeah. With some of the NCOs and yeah, I could kind of bark out things and it went a little better. Younger soldiers, it did, didn't fly. And that was something I had to kind of learn the hard way of, oh, okay, I'm not getting by and adjust it. They're not all athletes. They haven't all been coached before. And just, again, that, and part of it is generational. Part of it's just experiential that they haven't, they haven't experienced that before. So you have to come with a little bit softer approach and that compliment sandwich of, Hey, good effort. (laughs) Questionable whether the effort was good or not, but they have, that's what, that's what opens the door. Let's correct this and this, and then, you know, better on the way out. So, right. Right. Yeah, no, that, that's interesting. Uh, and, and I, I experienced similar, uh, I, I'm not a, I'm not a yeller extrinsic motivator. Mm-hmm. Um, I am much more of like the teacher educator, go buddy yep. up and be like, Hey, here, you know, so th- and that's just my general approach. Again, though, mm-hmm. I don't come from a collegiate background, um, as far as a coach anyway. Right. And so I think that's part of it, but still I saw people try to do it at the work <laughs> and it does, it just doesn't go over well. And, and I, right. I do, I think there's part of that's the military, whether it be, um, I, I think that's interesting concept. The, the lack of maybe coaching that they've had mm-hmm. prior in their life. I do think that's listening to, I agree with that. And the other thing is I do think the military, I feel like, again, going back to what I said earlier, like we're tough, we're, but right. really people get upset real easy. <laughs> and so I think right. there's that piece there though, of, um, I think there is that piece of creating that buy-in and once they, mm-hmm. but the other piece to it is too, I, in my experience with working in the tactical community in general, when they do believe you though, when they do buy in, it's like, I'm doing it. Absolutely. Hell or I want. Yeah. And so yeah. the, the follow through there is I feel like better than my experience in the civilian sector, but sometimes getting there is the, the challenge. Yeah. So yeah, especially, yeah. 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 Especially with uh, being at drum for a year, some initial buy-in with some of the younger soldiers, which is great. Unfortunately, those younger soldiers don't have a lot of swing when it comes to getting the squad or platoon level to do things. It does yeah. help for the future once they become leadership. And that was kind of our approach is yeah, get definitely. the okay from get the okay to do things from leadership, but really convince those junior soldiers because leadership they're gonna retire in five, ten years. Cool. They're yeah, out. Yeah. Get, yeah. You, get said, those guys. you said that early. You said that early, which I think you were spot on. Like we yeah. were brought in, like changed the culture yesterday. That's like yeah. there's <laughs> no way that's gonna happen. But that and that is, and I know there's a lot of people, you know, upset about it in the military community, but yeah, you have to start somewhere. Like right. is kind of my, my thought on it. And I think that what's happening, the Marines did a good job. Marines did it pretty early on, honestly, yeah. with their combat fitness test. The, the Navy's done it. Like, I, I think the shift is happening. Some people right. don't like it, but as you said, those, some of those people are going to retire in the next couple of years. Right. That, that younger generation of that's what we're calling it. That's moving mm-hmm. up is a hundred percent. So I, I think that's super cool. I I'm, I'm a big component of it. Some people like it, some people don't, but Right. Um, so let's see, how do you, uh, handle an athlete who has been exposed to training methods in which you don't use? This is a guy, this is a good question. So as you and others may be aware in the military setting, 
for better or for worse, if people have been exposed to previous trading methods, it's nine times out of 10 CrossFit. And it has its place. Um, I'm not going to completely dog it, but I don't, the way people understand it or they think they understand it, I feel is different from the way it's actually supposed to be implemented. And then especially putting, you have those two or three hot shots in the formation here that they do, they do CrossFit on their own. And then they try to bring that into the formation with that 19 year old who's just out of basic and initial training. They have a, a training age of zero. Cool. We're doing Fran today, whatever that consists of. And now you have a soldier who has used to zero volume, probably injured coming out of basic training because those are the numbers we're seeing now. Now they're really injured on day two of PT with the unit. And as if anything, if nothing else, that's, you know, for, I know I speak for coach Langdon, Langdon, I say it's like, we're here to reduce those injuries. Like that's like, that, that is why that was the need that force comm saw was, Hey, the army's hurt. How do we, how do we make sure they don't break again? Oh, athletes don't break. Maybe we should kind of start shifting this way. And so it's, that's our biggest hurdle is, overcoming kind of that CrossFit mentality for some people. And that is a lot of just because they're, they're dug in there. Those heels are in, they're not even the same. Those heels are in the dirt. They've got cleats on and they're ready to push back. Um, And so it's just kind of finding some of those parallels of no. Yeah. If you want to do those types of movements, this person isn't ready for it. Maybe you're, maybe we regress that clean to a kettlebell swing and still get the intent of those cleans. But now we can put that intent on a kettlebell swing and just finding some of those parallels right. that are those small open doors might not even be in a door, maybe just a, a crack in the siding to mm-hmm. let us through. Hey, here's that. Open that up a little bit. That creates a little, okay. Th- this coach isn't completely dogging on what I spend my, my evenings doing because they enjoy it. It's something they love. So the second we say, Hey, that's bad. Now they're bad. So Mm -hmm. finding a couple of those, those opportunities to tweak what they're already doing and be able to aggress it to, to meet more of their soldiers needs. And then eventually, you know, Hey, not not everything of what we're saying is completely horrible. You can trust us a little bit and come on over. I think I agree with you. Some, a big piece that comes that trust, you know, I, I did, I, uh, I, I'm not gonna sit here and dog on CrossFit. That's not with this. I don't anyway. Right. I, but I agree with you. That is traditionally what I saw a lot more the most of, I guess. Mm-hmm. However, kind of what you're saying, you have your couple of studs who probably have researched it. Like they go into courses and honestly, they're pretty good with technique, cueing, mm-hmm. stuff like that, but they are like, in their cult they've drank the kool-aid like that it is they're in the large majority dabble is the term i'm going to use and so that's to where um i saw issues at times and i Mm. completely agree with you that's where people volume control intensity control like all within moderation and they you know don't have the technique etc and so i I completely agree with you and i think that's cool that y'all are coming in and being able to you know have that uh, for that crack in the wall, like you're saying, just to be able to get in and talk. Hey, not everything I'm telling you, I'm not telling you it's bad. I don't hate you. I don't hate it. Right. Let's see how we can work on this together. And, yep. uh, 
Yeah. So, uh, so this is something else I'm going to pick on real quick, uh, take a little side tour here. So I read an article you wrote by, um, about training kind of specificity, like are we mm-hmm. training too specific and how do you throttle? Um, because I think the military, right? Like it is the tactical population. So you shouldn't mm-hmm. train them like a football player or a right. soccer player. So how do you, because I, but also I think it comes back to your obstacle course racing. Like there needs to be some, and you use actually a term a second ago, athlete. Right. That's how we don't have those injuries. So how do you kind of throttle between being a little more specific tactical, but also not just like only CQB, let's say, if that's what, right. you know. If so my, my approach to it is one, as far as the tactics of the job, like I'm not going to take anybody through a, plyo circuit or movement circuit where, you know, we have them moving like they're, you know, in that ready position moving forward. Like that is, that is for Sergeant time training. That is for like, that is that job specific stuff. Um, the specificity will do is more, you know, as we get close to uh, test time or the ACFT time, just like with any programming, you know, we'll, we'll program in that, that sort of specificity. Um, okay. But our general approach it, oh, I use general approach, but our general approach is just that a more general approach, which is more strength based. Uh, just because as we look across the formations, we see a yeah. lot of lower body weakness. And so just getting, getting people, you know, we're going to have a lower body push every day we're in the gym. And yeah, yeah. so just, just that kind of approach there and leave the jobs, job specific training for those for those NCOs, for those experts on, on that. And then for the physical specificities of rucking, things like that, well, you know, that goes into the program. Um, the closer we get, like I said, the closer we get to test time, we'll have more specific movements in the program to, to mirror the test. Cause, but that's one thing that the army and military in general is already, they're already really good at practicing the test. So mm-hmm. if we can just get more, more general movements ahead of time, they're going to on their own was sergeant time training once a week or whatever. They're going to put those movements in on their own, whether we put them there or not. So um, we tried to kind of avoid some of that just because we know it'll get there on its own. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. I, I, I think that's, and also I think comes back to as well, the brigade level, like yeah. it kind of makes it tough to go super specific. If you can't get eyes on every person and you right. know, that's not possible. And so that's a, uh, that, that, I, they're cool. I like that approach. So, um, let's see. So where do you turn to when you're looking for continuing learning or just perfecting your craft, um, books, podcasts, seminars, what are some of the things you kind of recommend? Um, I'm big on podcasts right now. Um, I've been listening to the, uh, the strength Oak podcast with Mike Boyle for years oh, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, just always a big fan of that. Um, I'm also just kind of with, the nature of contract work like I am. I'm also doing a lot more on the managerial like side business side of things. So kind of learning, listening to the Jocko podcast, um, listen to the MFCEO podcast, just kind of that kind of managerial entrepreneurial stuff, learning how to work inside of a business just because there are opportunities to move up here. And especially as the contract grows, not all those, uh, positions will be coaching. Um, so I want to be able to position myself well enough to kind of move into that, um, office job as well. Right. Right. Okay, cool. 
Um, no, I, I completely agree. Uh, like it, I think that H2S is about to boom. Like it's yeah. about to, I mean, it's, it's in the process, it's in the works. Yep. So it's going to take off just like Thor has. And, yeah. and I, I, there's learning curves just like Thor, uh, went through, I think, but it's, I think it's an awesome pro. I, a lot of learning curves. <laughs> I believe in it though. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, good, good. Um, all right. So, and then, so strength and conditioning, just like as a, as an industry, mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think that, uh, we need to do better to continue to progress, uh, in establishing ourselves, you know, just as professionals? I think this is going to be unpopular, but I think with, and this will have, this is partly going to be in response to a growth in the tactical community. Like I said, H2F is about to have a couple hundred jobs blow up this year and a couple hundred more next year. Um, I see that collegiate model of unpaid internships or very poorly paid assistant jobs not going away. I don't want to say that at all, but those people who would have filled those positions and been happy to do it for, you know, no pay or twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year can come over to the tactical side with a bachelor or master's and make a, a, a livable wage day one. Now you still have to, they still want the internships as well. So I'm not right, saying right. that, but that competition that collegiate used to like, they didn't have any competition that you want to, you right. want in the field. These are your steps. The field is growing a lot more. So I think that model will be forced to be reevaluated. Um, for better, for worse, I'm not really sure what it, how it is. I know I have a nephew who who went into IT, and before he was out of college, he was like his internship got paid more than more than I was making. So now that's all. That's also computer, completely different field. I get that, but I I, I see that being something that in the next ten years that will probably have to be reevaluated at those levels if 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 the college sector, especially, especially the small college sector, big, your big schools, power fives, they're always going to have people who want to do that, that they're fine. Those small colleges, that's where the, I feel is going to be hit the hardest with, with the growth and tactical setting. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That's a, that's a unique perspective. I, I hadn't thought about that, but that's, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Cause it has, it has opened up a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I think, like I said, I mean, like we we're saying, I mean, army, Navy, Marines, Yep. And then also J or, you know, uh, uses, uh, not USOC, JSOC, but all yep. of them. SOCOM, yep. sorry. Uh, they also have theirs up there. So it's one yep. of these things that like, there are going to be some jobs opening up. That's cool. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, so what about this in retrospect, is there anything you, you would have done differently in your career? I don't think so. I, I didn't take the direct approach to this field. Um, like I knew from, I was one of the few people in college who I never changed my major. I was always exercise science. Um, but having taken the approach that I did, albeit accidental, um, you know, exercise science major right out of high school, played sports, ended up not working, ran out of, uh, money for college, joined the reserves. Life happened, went into, got married, prison guard, was a cop for a while, then decided to go back to school. Back to school. So having that understanding of 
a pretty wide breadth of the tactical setting. I feel um, made it a little bit. It gives me a, a little bit of a leg up now, as far as like coaching experience. Yeah, I'll I'll say there are tons of better coaches out there, and I don't just say that to be humble. Like I know, like Coach Langdon is better at coaching movements than I am, but at understanding some of the nuances of how the how the field works in this setting or some of those differences of what soldiers may be going through. I, I feel like I don't have a unique perspective, but among coaches who don't have, who, who didn't take the same path that I did, it does give me a, a, a different angle of things. So I, I wouldn't change anything. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm going to disagree with you a little there. I do think it gives us a leg up to be honest okay. with you. I think having gone through it, uh, better understanding what that person across from you has done and you've done it before, whether it be you've rucked or, you know, whatever it may be compared to the, cause I, I do, I think, I, I don't think it, uh, maybe we're not technic, uh, as good technically like you're mm -hmm. saying coach Langdon, but I think that that understanding does give us a, a, a leg up in our perspective of what they're going through. Now I encourage, uh, strength coaches like, Go out with the unit, go right. watch them jump out of an airplane and land, go watch them ruck, go out, you know, any type of FTX, like yep. see it as much as you can. Cause I think that's huge versus mm -hmm. just sitting in your office or sitting in your gym and be like, come on guys, come in here and let's lift weights. <laughs> like, right. You know what I mean? If you haven't seen it before, like, I think that's a major issue. And, but I would say the same thing as far as uh, in the collegiate industry and please correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't just sit in your weight room while the basketball team and the football team's out on the field right. and never know what they do. Right. Right. And so I, I hundred percent, I think that's a very, it's very cool that you have that background um, to get where you've gotten. So cool. Mm -hmm. um, so what about young strength coaches that are going into the field? Do you have any advice for them? <laughs> or maybe what advice could you give them? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think now, especially with, this kind of tactical setting, uh, figure out where you want to go and, uh, and adjust your plan accordingly. I just saw the other day or post on indeed yesterday. I might've been, anyway, where I saw it, there's a fire department having, uh, hosting a paid internship for a strength mm -hmm. coach. Like, so now you don't have to come up through those historical channels just to get the strength coach and then like, okay, now I want to go tactical after I spent time in college. Like now it's becoming enough of a thing across fire, police, EMS, across all the different branches of the tactical uh, strength conditioning that some of those bigger um, departments are offering their own internships because they want to build that, that, that process themselves. Yeah, so yeah. figure out, you know, if, if you do figure out like, Hey, I want to go tackle from the start just out of an interest or whatever start tailoring that now. Yeah. So, I, and I have my answer, but I'm curious to hear yours. What do you say to that strength coach? It's like, yeah, that sounds super cool. I would love to go into the tactical world as a strength coach, but I literally know nothing about it. Like what, what <laughs> advice do you give them? Like, you know what I mean? Cause that, that is commonly yeah. what I, when I talk to people that it just seems like this separate world, which it kind of is, but right. I'm just, you know, what, what's your answer to that? Right. Uh, so I have the Fort when I came to Fort Riley, um, coach Laney had been here for a while, but when we were at the, when we were both still at the battalion level, I was working with a different coach who had, he'd come straight from 10 years in the collegiate sector, everything he knew about 
the army was from movies and um, tried to prep him as much ahead of time as I, as I could. But one of those things, like once you get here and realize how things are, it's, you don't have to know about the lifestyle or the, the tactical world. Like a squat is a squat. A, a lunge is a lunge, a bench press is a bench press. Just being more willing to understand who the soldier is because the soldier coming in who signed up to be a payroll specialist is not the same as that freshman who's walking on to the NAIA uh, basketball team. Like those right. two people are two completely different motivating factors. One of them is to be on the team. One of them's already on the team and has to be at PT at six thirty in the morning anyway. Right. Right. So, <laughs> so realizing that those are two completely different things, and your approach needs to be geared towards that, and so your mindset has to be geared towards like, hey, this person might not exactly want to be here because um, they might have gone to bed at four o'clock last night because that's right. just what soldiers do. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's realizing that that motivation for that athlete, uh, if, if we're, that we're calling them, like they're completely different people. And while you don't have to understand their world, come into it with an open mind that your, your PT plan might not be the first thing on their day. Because what I like to tell people, and I've had to tell myself this first is my entire job is an hour and a half of their day. That's it. Like that's it. Or here at Fort Riley, 75 minutes of their day. However, on the flip side, an hour and a half, that, that first hour, 15 hour and a half of their day is my entire job. So when we do get that time and I do talk passionately about it, please realize that's because I like, that is my entire job. That first right, 15 minutes, right. you're, that first hour, 15, that you're half asleep for, that's my entire job. So I want you to do that well. That way I have the job satisfaction that I'm doing something. But right, on the flip right. side, when they're not super motivated about it, like I get it. You had, you had to wake up on three hours of sleep, go through this, go through PT and then go, go through the rest of your day later. So understanding yeah. that, that factor as well. Yeah, no, you're spot on. And I, I think that's my big one. Just going with an open mind. Like, I, I think you don't have to have all the answers. It's going to be drinking from a fire hose, but like people <laughs> done it. You know what I mean? Right. And, and I, and I think like, to be honest, like that's really cool about the fire department. And I think people that are a little bit cautious or scared, if you will, of like, oh, I don't know anything about it. A well, what is it? A well executed plan now, a well yep. planned, well executed. Yeah. Well executed plan now is better than a perfect one later. Right. Yep. Like just go into it. You might not have all the answers. They might not have all the answers. Like go learn and build the perfect program. And, and exactly. I think that fear sometimes I, I see so many good strength coaches and I'm like, just try it. Someone yeah. had to start strength coaches hadn't been in the tactical world forever. <laughs> like what is right. it the past 10 years, uh, maybe 15, but like yeah. somebody, it hadn't been that long. And so <laughs> go in and figure it out. So I, I, I think you're spot on with that. Um, I think that biopsych social as well, the mental piece is something also as strength coaches, we, that's really, I, I have not heard someone say it specifically like that, but you're exactly right. Like I be for an hour and a half, yeah. but it's my whole world. Yeah. And so like remembering that is a great point. So, cause I, I'm, I'm more focused now in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And so mine's even different because you have them for an hour and a half. Right. I may 
get them <laughs> if they decide to, you know, right. like they, they're not required to do PT every day. Right. And so, um, yeah, I think that part's huge. That's a, that's a very good, good point. Um, let's see. Um, I had another question for you on, um, how, do, how would you recommend that people, so that that's most of the questions we normally have, but I do, I want to push this H2F a little bit. I want to hear more okay. about your thoughts because okay. I think it's important for strength coaches to look into it. I think it's a mm-hmm. unique field that a lot of us enjoy because like we talked about when people commit, like they commit and yep. um, you're, you're impacting lives, right? Like <laughs> harder to kill, right? The better shape <laughs> exactly. they are like make them uh, bigger, faster, stronger. So what's your um, kind of pitch? What's your thought on how do people get involved in the tactical field? How can they look up H2F? How can they look up different things in the army, Navy, whoever? Right. I, give, I know I'm giving you a cast on big net here, but. So as it's going to sound bad, but as with a lot of stuff in our field, uh, find people who are already in it, talk with them. Um, Cause it is, I will say it is a little more difficult. It's not like you can just like pull up to Fort Riley, go, Hey, I want to be a strength okay. coach and go apply to a different place. You know, it's finding, figuring out which company has the contract. Um, And especially right now, if you look on any of the job posting sites, you can find five different companies all saying they had, you know, apply for jobs at Fort Drum, Fort Polk, Fort Bragg, JBLM and Blaze. Cause those are, those are the five bases that are getting the the first role out of the big H2F contract. So that that's part of it. Find those companies apply to all of them because they're all getting a, a base of people that if they do win the contract, they need to fill those positions quickly. So they're going to be calling you up as soon as they win that saying, can you move here? So apply to those, uh, apply to those companies first, but also like there's one, a gentleman through who LinkedIn reached out, saw that I was in the tactical setting, reached out to me. And as it worked out um, inside of a few months, went from being an assistant at the college level to he's now down at Fort bliss. Um, with, with our, with reef who I work for. And it's one of those where once, once you're in as, as a contractor, not, not entirely, but you can, as long as you're willing to kind of move and adjust, uh, companies, you, you can be there for a while as long as the contract is there. So one finding those contacts and then who are in there, who are in those positions, talk to them, learn and find out how it is different from, from your setting. Cause I think if you are coming straight from collegiate, it's not going to be a one-to-one slide over. So find out what those differences are. And then two, especially right now was a great time to try to get into it. Just find all those companies apply to them and yeah. wait for your call back. Are there any uh, re- requirements, qualifications, things that they like to see on resumes, et cetera, whenever you're applying for those type of roles? Uh, right now it's the same as any other, you know, bachelor's acquired, master's preferred CSCS or your, uh, certification from the CCCA. Um, I haven't seen too many that are requiring the TSAC F just yet. Um, I can see that coming in the next few years, but also I think that's, that's a different the, I feel like the, the NSCA has that for a different purpose. That's more for that soldier who's on the ground to get that certification as opposed to for the coach to have that. Right. Um, that's just my opinion on that though, but just kind look at the requirements. The yeah. Look at the requirements to sit for each test. And I think that's just how, how the two are geared. So 
Yeah. Yeah. What's uh? so this is for my own interest, but what y'all, uh, what's your opinion on research? Do y'all do a lot of research or do y'all collect data? Um, right now we're kind of in a mixed standpoint at Fort Drum. We did not collect a lot of data from the team that I was on. When I came here working with the MPs at Fort Riley, our physical therapist uh, just had one of his papers published. Um, so he was collecting a lot of data right now for the strength coaches. The biggest data we're, we're collecting is just kind of ACFT changes because um, those are, that's what the company likes to see. That's right, what the battalion right. likes to see. Um, we're also kind of inside of that. We're also tracking uh, injury numbers, not specific yeah. injuries, but just number of profiles. If profiles go down, oh, cool. Scores went up, injuries went down, and then we can let the units translate that into days worked and things like that. So, and what and what's a profile? Tell everybody what a profile. Oh is. yeah, profile. So, if you are injured in the army, and it's enough that they say yes, you are hurt, they'll put you on what they call a profile, and that limits your um, what they what you're allowed to do. And it is an act being is how it comes from a medical officer. Let's say someone twists their ankle and they're not supposed to run or sprint for. 14 days if they run or sprint during that 14 days and they get caught they can technically get in trouble for it so yeah. but profiles just based on their limitations on duty yeah so it's kind of a way for the military to track those injuries but yes. i feel at least in my experience uh it does not always happen that way <laughs> no <laughs> you would think it, it does but it does not uh but i think that that's something i, I saw big at thor three was collecting of data on yep. You know, because I think there's a piece of it is justifying the H2F or or Thor 3. But at the same time, I think it also allows us to advance our field as what is actually working. (laughs) Right. And so um, so go back to the ACFT. uh, I don't want to irritate anyone. So I don't want to hear your (laughs) thoughts on whether you like it or do not like it. But what are some challenges uh, what are some challenges? What are some good about it? Um, what are some of the challenging from a coaching perspective that you've seen? Mm-hmm. Um, and what are some of your positives that you feel about? Okay. It? Uh, positives first and foremost, I like, it's not just, it's not just testing the one aerobic energy system. You're actually asking people to exert some maximum strength. You want them to, you know, show a demonstration of power with medicine ball throw, um, and coordination, same thing with the leg tuck. Um, so from that standpoint, I like that it is a diverse test. Some of the headaches with it are it doesn't run super smooth just yet because it is so new where it is designed to be a relatively quick test between events. Um, a lot of a lot of units have a little bit have it take a little bit longer. So people are, are more fully recovered, which goes well for scoring, but not the initial kind of the purpose their intent of the test. So that is kind of a hang up. But overall I, I like I like the idea behind the test. It's is it perfect? Yeah. No. But right, right. over overall I think it is a big step in the right direction. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I do, I think the same thing. It's going to be a, a pr- it's progression. It's going to take time. Yes. I know people are upset about the equipment and the money, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But what about from a coaching standpoint, as far as what are some of the important things that you've seen of like, Hey, we as strength coaches need to make sure that we're focusing on, give me your top three. When you look at the test of like, we need to focus mm-hmm. on this, this, and this to make sure that people are performing well or not getting injured. What are some of your thoughts? Okay. Um, first one just goes back to 
overall strength that especially lower limb strength, the ability that lower, that lower body push that I mentioned earlier, the army in general, is just not something they're accustomed to doing, and especially at a maximal force. So that is a lot of our, like I discussed earlier, a lot of our mm-hmm. training, you know, anytime we're in the gym, we've got a lower body push. Um, so that's a big part of it. The next part is coordination and plyometrics because, and when I say plyos, I'm very, very low level, like landing mechanics, coaching triple extension in a, you know, in just a vertical jump, things like that. Whereas, because again, going back to some of these soldiers not having played sports before, just the body awareness isn't there. So getting their brain to talk to their feet, ankles, knees, hips, arms, shoulders, all at one time for that, for that medicine ball throw and being able to, you know, have that expression of power going, you know, yep. not just vertically, but also horizontally behind them yep. is, is a big one for us. Yeah. And those, those are the big two. And then the one that's in, of course, once in the news with the leg tuck, just teaching that core, you know, that core strength and trying to drive home the fact that the job of the core, yes, I realize the leg tuck is generating movement, but the job of the core is not to generate movement. The job of the core is to, you know, stabilize everything around it. So your appendages can generate those movements. But like, well, then why do we do the leg tuck? Like, because we have to have something to, to generate, you know, show some sort of core strength, core stability. And it's not like we can just hit you in the stomach with a two by four. So, <laughs> so. yeah, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's funny. That's interesting. Uh, especially, so one, I completely agree with in the tactical community. Um, Again, I'm not trying to, I know you're not either, but I'm not trying to trash on the tech. I, I was in right, it. So right. now uh, you said you played sports. I played collegiate football. Like, yep. so I think we played sports, yep. but I, a lot don't truly. No. And it's interesting. A lot of people think when we had, when I've had this conversation before, they're like, oh, well, it's tactile. They're, they have to be good athletes, right? Like they don't. And I'm like, so many of them don't move well at all. And again, I'm not perfect by any means, but I think playing sports growing up helped me a lot in that because Mm -hmm. being able to move through a house, like, you know what I mean? Like being able to not trip over your own feet, you know, some chewing, uh, chew bubble gum and walk at the same time kind of concept. Like some people I'm like, good gracious. But I think that's something I I appreciate, but also it's good to hear that like, that's something y'all are continually working on. And I think going to the basics of like landing mechanics, because uh, and, and I'm going to get, I'm not to put you on the spot, but if you don't mind running through the ACFT, cause I don't actually know, remember all of them anyway, but like the, uh, med ball toss, you know, that's a lot of posterior chain, but like the power piece, like there's so much to it. Yeah. If you haven't done it before, like it, it's not just about the power anymore. Like yeah. if you don't have the coordination, that ball may land on top of your head and you get a zero for your score. You know right. what I mean? So, so anyway, I think you're spot on. I think that's super cool that that's the approach y'all are taking. Um, yeah. If you don't mind for me, can you run through the ACFT? Do you know it off the top of your head? Yep. Um, not entirely sure. These are all going to be in order, but the six events are the trap bar deadlift, the medicine ball power throw, which is a 10 pound medicine ball, just overhead granny toss as far behind you as you can. Hand release push-ups, which are like not just hand release where you pick your hands off the ground, but like a T push-up. So do your push-up, go back down, chest on the ground, 
hands have to extend out to your side uh, as far as they can, then back so that your index finger is underneath your shoulder, and then do the next push-up. The sprint drag carry, which is essentially a 300-meter shuttle, 25 meters down and back with a sprint, a carry or a drag of a 90 pound sled. I use the word sled loosely because the way that what they're using is essentially something a little bit uh, more friendly than a burlap sack with 90 pound plate with 90 pounds on it. And a TRX, it's not a TRX, but essentially a TRX attached to it, drag it down, drag it back side shuffle down and back. And I say this not picking on soldiers, but again, when you have people who don't have a lot of lower limb strength and you've just told them to sprint and drag something where their quads are burnt out, a lot of the time, those side shuffles, you see a lot. And again, people who may not be the most athletically inclined cross their feet or just now their quads are burnt. And so we have a lot of people who kind of trip and fall on that side shuffle for the first few steps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But side shuffle down and back. Then they pick up a 40 pound kettlebell in each hand to simulate ammo cans, run that down and back, have to set those down in a controlled manner, which means you just can't throw them after you'd be sitting up straight and then sprint down and back again. Okay. So then that goes right into the leg tuck, uh, which is just hands, hands upon a bar have to be so that your shoulders are perpendicular to the bar. You can't rotate like you would for a pull-up uh, opposing grip. And a slight bend in the elbow is what it says. And your knees have to have to touch some point of your uh, upper arm to some point on your thigh, which essentially is elbows to your knees or knees up to your elbows. But just based on the uh, verbiage is just make some part of your arm touch some part of your thigh. Gotcha. And then uh, the two mile run. Two mile run. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's smoker. It's uh, yeah. no longer the two, two, two. And um, <laughs> no. yeah. And so I, but I, I think it is, it's a transition, but it's good. Uh, I think it's been a, a, a long time coming and yeah. uh, but overall good test. So good. Well, Jared, I, I really appreciate the time. I think that you've shed a lot of really good light on some topics that hopefully people can learn from, uh, Samson that, you know, has been an awesome company to allow, put all this together. Um, do you have anything else for us? Feel free to make a pitch on anything else you'd feel like about your company or what you're doing. And, uh, but again, thanks for your time. Oh yeah. So, um, first off, thank you for letting me come on. I, I know I kind of reached out to you guys and invited myself on. So thank you for, <laughs> thank you for letting me talk. Um, oh, that was good. But yeah, if you guys are curious, more than happy to answer any questions on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, any of that, you know, come find me. I'm more than happy to help. So go ahead and, uh, go ahead and uh, sorry, go ahead and give us your first last name, but spell that last name for us. Yeah. Uh, Jared, J A R E D. Cause I know there's one way to spell it right. 10,000 ways to spell it wrong. Um, <laughs> Renier R E N Y E R. And again, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, any of those. And the company I work for is Reef Systems Inc. Um, I know we've probably got a couple openings at the moment if you are looking to get in quick, fast, and in a hurry. And so, but even if you're wanting to wait a little bit, again, more than happy to help answer any questions. Awesome. Awesome. Good, man. Well, we appreciate it. And uh, yeah, good luck with everything and uh, keep crushing it. Thank you very much.
All right, Jared. Have a good one. You too.